Can you hear me? Break breaker one nine. It's funny, when I was a young kid, we were traveling to Virginia with my grandmother, and uh, we took a CB radio. Does anybody know what a CB radio is? And this young 12-year-old gets on the on the CB, and there's a semi in front, and I didn't know what his handle was, and I, uh, I said, break it, break it one nine for that Fruhoff ahead of me. And the guy on the CB goes, hey, buddy, that's the name of a trailer. <laughs> Didn't work too well. So, at any rate, Breaker Breaker 1-9, praise God. How we doing? A little humor. If you don't get it, ask Chad, the semi-driver, and maybe you'll get it. I do have a good joke for you guys. You ready for a good joke this morning? So a preacher, and this is really important. You know, after you get done preaching your message, sometimes you wonder if people do anything with the message. And if they apply it, you know, and so this preacher was, uh, he had uh, shared his message, and at the end of his message, he said, now next week, guys, he said, what I want you to do, I want you to do some homework, I want you all to read Mark chapter 17 in preparation for my sermon next week, he said, because I'm going to talk about lying next week, and I really want you to read Mark 17, and so all week. If you guys would read Mark 17, it'll prepare you for the message next week. And he said, they said, okay, everybody shook their head. So he gets up to preach and he said, okay, how many in here uh, read Mark chapter 17? And most of the hands went up. And he said, great, great. You guys are the ones I want to talk to because there is no Mark 17. And so, you know, when we preach, I, I really liked what Mike said earlier. You know, when we preach the gospel you know, we really, it is to revere the Word of God, amen, and we are really to take it serious. And, and today, I, I want to share some things that are on my heart. Uh, I, I love what God's doing. I love the Selah moment that we had where there was the spirit of repentance, and, and I really believe as we've been sharing messages on our dysfunctional families and how God's wanting to break off the dysfunction in our homes and in our lives, it really does require us to, to slow down our life and to really make things right with God. Amen? And so there is, there is something that's going on. And I really struggled about the message to preach today because I, I really wanted to share a little more on repentance. But I really had been convicted by the Lord several months ago to share something and to, to prepare our hearts for Easter that's coming up. Do you guys realize Easter's just around the corner? And so um, I really felt like the Lord wanted me to share some things on that. And uh, I don't know, if, is there a teenager here that might be willing to be uh, a volunteer for me today? Uh, anybody? Okay, come on up. Come on up. Got a teenager that's willing. What's your name? Oh, we got two. No, no, I'll take two. I'll take two. He'll give me two. Give me three. Can we get three? Even if you're an 18 to 30 year old. If you want to give me a volunteer, 18 to 30-year-old, if you're out there and you want to volunteer, this isn't to make you look stupid, okay? But this is, this is, uh, is there, I just got a question for you guys, okay? I'm going to shut this one off. I want to talk about Palm Sunday and the significance of it and really what God wants us as a church family. Everybody say family. family. He is wanting us as a family to refocus our hearts on him. Even this whole service has been about repent and turn. But what has happened, I don't, I don't know about you, but in my life, um, Easter has become so commercialized and ineffective that it's just, it's kind of just not part of the, the mainstream any longer. And so several months ago, the Lord put something in my heart about preparing our hearts, preparing this church for Easter. And as a church, we've not emphasized Easter because in, in essence, as a charismatic church, we really celebrate Easter every Sunday. We celebrate the resurrection of Christ every Sunday. But you know, there is an unintended, um, unintended consequence when we do not, uh, do not teach on it and do not equip our church and, and our young ones to understand the significance of this week. This week is called Holy Week. Today, Palm Sunday, is the start of Holy Week. And so the, the, the church has, uh, it, it, and I will say our church, my life, uh, we have, we have uh, probably not emphasized it to the degree that God wants us to. 
and we have not celebrated like many other mainline churches celebrate it. Uh, the Catholic Church started Lent 40 days ago, and in, in Lent, 40 days is a 40-day fast where the Catholics, they, they started on Ash Wednesday, and they put ashes on their forehead, and it is a day of 40 days of fasting, preparing their hearts for the Lord's coming. Now, it has become ritualistic, and it has become very traditional, and sometimes maybe the impact of what God has intended, they intended them to do. But mainline churches go through uh, Monday, Thursday. They go through Palm Sunday. They go through Good Friday. They go through many different acts to remember what Christ has done. And it really is to be much like, and, and I'm going to share this a little bit in the message here coming up shortly. You know, uh, it's like what God told the children of Israel to do once they passed through the Red Sea. Again, God had them set up memorial stones. And so Easter and these celebrations, these services are all part of remembering what God does, has done so that we don't forget. Do you realize we could literally forget what Easter's about in just one generation? And the significance of it? Now, when I was growing up, man, Easter was a big deal. Anybody over 40 here? If you're over 40, you remember... Easter was a big deal in our community. Hey, hey, right, right? Hey, everything shut down on Sunday, the day of Easter, right? Even on Good Friday. I remember the hats, the bonnets, the gloves. I mean, the pretty dresses and all that kind of stuff. You guys remember that. It was a special. I remember, believe it or not, teenagers, listen to me. Believe it or not, in the days of old when there was wagons and horses, they shut school down on Good Friday. Dang, you'd be off this coming Friday if that was still in effect. Some are off this Friday. Praise God. Glory be to God. Yeah. And when I was growing up in church, man, it was so cool. I mean, we had Good Friday service. And we then Saturday, the church did an Easter egg hunt. And I was involved with the Presbyterian church all my life when we would go to that Easter egg hunt. There was even one time when I was about this knee high to do a grasshopper, I found the golden egg. You talk about a honker milk chocolate rabbit. That thing died and never resurrected. He melted very quickly. Come back, I want more, you know, that kind of thing. But man, Saturday was packed full of activity. Sunday morning, we got up and it was sunrise service. And we went and reenacted the resurrection of Christ. And it was real early in the morning and I fought mom and dad. I don't want to get up that early. Get out of bed, boy. There was one time we went to Butler University, experienced at Butler University. We then came back to church, had biscuits and gravy, mm. and then we celebrated Easter on Sunday morning. Then we went to Grandma's house, and the whole family got together, and we had an Easter egg hunt, and we celebrated the resurrection of Christ. Matter of fact, I even got a couple pictures. You want to see a couple pictures of my family in Easter? This is hilarious. All right, guess which one's me? That's my mom in the bonnet and my dad with the burr cut, and I'm the one in the little red. Isn't that so cute? Look at my mom. She has gloves on, my, my sister in her nice little dress, and my brother, man, he's got a suit on. He looked good. Now look at this other one. This is a couple more years down the road. My brother in a hat and my sister in a bonnet and me. I was so mad because I didn't have a hat. And that's my precious mother. And then the third one, here is me with Aunt Gladys, which I have no clue who Aunt Gladys is. <laughs> she was so old at that time that I don't remember her. But that's my mom and dad and my, my sister and brother and me in the yellow sweater. You see that little bulge in my belly? That is not Dunlap disease. That is actually a Bible that's hidden underneath my sweater because mom didn't want that a part of the picture. Does anybody remember those kind of days where Easter was a major, major production? Now, unfortunately for me, and I don't know about you, the message of Easter had been so commercialized that I don't remember getting anything from these activities. Matter of fact, even in my emotional 
healing session Saturday that I went through, I literally had to forgive the church that I was a part of for not declaring the gospel and the resurrection of Christ during that time. I didn't realize I had some unforgiveness and bitterness in that season. Because for me, it was more about the Easter bunny and eggs. It was more about the candy. And even as a teenager, I remember the services, absence of power. There was no power and presence of God in the celebration. It was much and had become much of a tradition. I don't know, maybe your experience was different. And what it caused me to do as a minister of the gospel many years later is I refused to make it a religious thing. And so unintentionally, we've not made Easter maybe as as important as we should have as a church because of my own woundedness, possibly. Because in my home, when I raised my children, because of what I experienced, we didn't do Easter Bunny. We didn't do Easter egg hunts. It just wasn't in the agenda. I didn't do Santa Claus. I didn't do Tooth Fairy with my children. I refused to lie to them. I did. I didn't even let my kids watch Harry Potter. (gasps) My goodness. I just, there was a standard that is like I emphasized with our children. And we had a blast doing it. We emphasized Easter in a different way. And I, we would definitely get our kids a gift for Easter, and we would put lots of candy in there because Dad needed to help them with the candy, I'm sure. And so we did that kind of stuff. We did candy, we did gifts. And, but we, we, we even compromised, I would say compromised, because to be honest with you, our faith in Christ wreaked havoc on my in-laws. Because we were taking this newfound faith in Christ and we were not wanting it to be a religious ceremony. And so I remember when we came to Karen's mom and dad, my my mom and dad had already been through my sister and my sister had already paved the way for me to where I didn't have to uh, freak them out. And so, but when I told our in-laws that we weren't going to do Easter bunny and Easter eggs, it was like, what? You're, you're going to deprive your kids. You'll scar them for life. They'll be in therapy for years. <laughs> That's not what they said. And we compromised a little bit. We let the in-laws hide eggs, and they put candy, and they put money change in the, the eggs, and they hid them all around the house. And we made it a game, but we emphasized to the children this is a game. You know what I'm saying? Because it was celebrating Christ. It was celebrating the resurrection. But we just did it a little different in our home. And there's reasons why we did that. But in, a ch- in our church, in some ways, I feel we need to prepare our hearts and family for Easter. Easter is the most important holiday of the calendar. And many times we do not honor the Lord by remembering its significance. And so, this week and next is a powerful week that we have an opportunity to celebrate the resurrection of our Christ. Amen? And so I really have some things that I want to challenge you with. And uh, I, hope that, uh, I hope that you will take some of this stuff and consider what it means for your family. Amen? So this week I want to help us um, to begin to commemorate and to remember what Easter is all about all about and uh, really to put back into Easter the resurrection of our Lord you can put that family picture down uh, until I get to the scripture I really don't want you to see Eric that much might be distracted from the message heaven forbid there were people in my family that didn't even realize Easter was coming next week And I I want to say it again, if you forget Easter, so is the world. If we let Easter go, we let a whole lot more go than we realize. And so my challenge today is in the midst of our busy lives and coming off of spring break and vacations and all the mowing of the yards and all the things that you got to do in the yard, what would it be if we were to take this week and make it a holy week? (laughs) 
What will you let Easter mean to you and your family? What kind of memorial stones will you set up for your family concerning Easter? What will you purposefully teach your children and your grandchildren about Easter? We can unintentionally miss the significance of this week with our family if we're not careful. And if we don't slow our lives down this week, and we don't really contemplate what God is doing and what he has done for us, we could miss something that God wants to bring us. Do you agree with me? Because the truth of what Christ did, truly Palm Sunday today, when he, and we're going to read it shortly, we're going to read the account in Matthew 21. If you have your Bibles, you can even go there and get it ready. We're going to read out of uh, Matthew 21 today, and we're going to kind of recount and re-go over what God did through his son and what started on today, Palm Sunday, and what the significance of Palm Sunday is. I'm going to concentrate mainly on Palm Sunday today. I'm going to touch a little bit about uh, Monday, Thursday briefly. I'm going to briefly talk about Good Friday, but I want to talk mainly about Palm Sunday today because that is the day of remembrance that we have today. And so God's good. Amen. So, so what will you build into your family culture about Easter? So as we begin, I want to look at Matthew 21 here shortly. Don't, don't quite put it up just yet, if you don't mind. I do want to set the stage of the scripture before we get to it. But as we reflect on the final week of Jesus' life and its significance and value for us, Palm Sunday is the start of Holy Week, as I said earlier, which is the important day in history when Jesus began his approach to Jerusalem. Okay? Jesus had been in Bethany, he had been in Jericho, he had been ministering the word of God, he had been doing miracles, he had been doing all kinds of things as he was preparing for his death. He knew what was going on, he was telling his disciples, guys, I hate to tell you this, but I'm going to, I'm going to die. And on the third day, I'm going to rise again. You wrote the whole account with Peter. Peter goes, oh, heaven forbid, you shall not die. You know, and, and Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan. You don't, know, you don't know what you're saying, ultimately. And so Jesus had been ministering like crazy. He'd been teaching parables and all this kind of stuff. And this Palm Sunday, the start of Holy Week, is what is so important in history, is it was, it was literally Jesus' journey to the cross. And, and, it, and, and, and it's so important for us to understand the significance of this and how he started his journey. So what Jesus was doing is we're getting ready to read Matthew 21. What Jesus was doing, the reason, why do you think was the reason he was going to Jerusalem in the first, point, first place? In the first place, what was going on is the Passover was going to be celebrated that week. And so already in the culture of Israel, there was this culture of every year at this time, they celebrated the Passover. Now, the Passover, we, haven't, we don't talk about it all the time, but it's when God came to Israel, when they were in slavery for 400 years, Moses came to deliver God's people, and God told Moses, kill a, kill a lamb, take the lamb's blood, put it on the doorpost over your home, and the death angel will pass over you, and you will be saved. And so that's exactly what happened. The children of Israel, when they were in slavery for 400 years, think about 400 years being a slave. That's all you know. And so Moses tells them to do it. They put it on their door frames. The blood is, is on their doors, and the death angel passes. But guess what? The firstborn of every son in Egypt was killed that night by the death angel and it motivated Pharaoh <laughs> get these people out of here Pharaoh who was the king of Egypt who was enslaving God's people he said get them out of here get them out of here and so Israel packed up took off and we know the story as they went out into the desert and they wandered a few years out there but God provided them manna. God provided them food. He provided water from a rock. God took care of his children. And so what God had done through Moses, he set up a festival called the Festival of Unleavened Bread. And that was called the Celebration of Passover. And every year they would celebrate that feast for one week. They would all go to Jerusalem 
they would sacrifice the lamb and they would reenact and celebrate the Passover. And so Jesus is, is fulfilling prophecy now. He's fulfilling prophecy and he is going to Jerusalem in order to take this Passover meal that would be on Monday, Thursday, okay? The, the Passover meal would be eaten on Thursday night. And so he is actually going to Jerusalem to experience that. But what's happening before we read the scripture, and I'm, I'm taking some time, I, I, want you, I want to set the stage because what had happened was just a few days earlier, Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead in Bethany. I mean, people were going nuts. A dead dude raised from the grave. A prophetic sign of what was just getting ready to happen. Everybody in Bethany was like, did you hear? Bethany's only two miles from Jerusalem. So everybody in Bethany had already communicated in Jerusalem what was going on. Papal, Jesus was going viral. He had, already, he had just fed the 5,000. I mean, put it in context. I want you, when we read this scripture, realize what they were going through as the children of Israel. What you got to understand also is they were under Roman occupation. They were, they were, they were not a sovereign nation. Roman had ownership of Israel. They were an oppressed people. They did not have their own government. They were under occupation from Rome, and Rome and Romans were ruthless. Romans were ruthless. And so we're in an environment here where the people of Israel are looking for a deliverer. They're looking for someone to save them from Roman occupation, okay? We don't know war here. You guys are all safe here. But you know in the Middle East, they're in wartime all the time. It never ends there. We have no comprehension. When we set this scripture in context, we have no understanding of, of, of the, the lack of freedom, the, the lack of peace within the culture. You're safe to come here and worship today. You're safe to go to and from without getting your head cut off. Praise be to God for that. So Jesus is heading to the Passover. And it, to me, it's like the Passover, that week of celebration of how God passed over the children of Israel and he delivered them out of bondage. Now it's happening again with Jesus. And, he said, and, he, and, and Moses said it within the, the, the culture of Israel to celebrate that every year. And Jesus was going back to Jerusalem to celebrate it with his disciples. Does that make sense? It'd be just like us celebrating every January 23rd, Joel's miracle, right? I mean, seriously, set a memorial stone, remember what God has done, every year celebrate around the miracle that I did and in, 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 in a lame man walked again. I mean, that's the, except this is a whole lot bigger. <laughs> a whole lot bigger, okay? And so Passover's hardly even talked about. But praise the Lord, we're going to talk about it a little bit today, right? So, are you with me? This week-long festival, Jesus is going to be held that week. People are talking about him. His popularity is growing, and they hear he is on the way from Jerusalem. People are talking about Lazarus being raised from the dead, and people are talking about the 5,000 getting fed. It's like, who is this dude? I mean... Israel or Jerusalem is buzzing about Jesus. It's going viral about Jesus as we're getting ready to read this scripture. I know we're going to get there. I'm just playing some with you, okay? I want you to really know what's going on. It's kind of like uh, teenagers. You know what it means to go viral, right? Anybody remember the cinnamon challenge that went viral and people put cinnamon in their mouth, tried to swallow it and all that? How about the uh, cold ice water? Uh, thing that went viral for years people dumping the buckets on them and all that kind of that that went viral for a while How about the one that went? Uh, is it Yanny or Laurel? Did anybody remember that one when it even was on Fox News? I mean on Fox News it went so viral people were running this this um, Tape recording back and, and you had to say do you what do you hear? Do you hear the word Yanny or do you hear Laurel? I always heard Laurel my wife heard Yanny did anybody go through that crazy thing? Some of you don't, anybody over 50 probably has no clue. No, I'm just kidding. 
Things going viral. That's what's going on with Jesus. He's going viral. He's on the webs, website. I mean, every web post is about Jesus. Dude, he just, he just healed Lazarus, man. Lazarus came out. He wasn't stinking, man. He was four days in the grave. He didn't stink. I mean, it's, I mean if there was an internet, it would have been all over Facebook. Now, I promise you, we're going to read it. You ready to read it? Okay. Out of Matthew 21, if the guys will help me in the, the video. All right. Matthew 21, Jesus is heading to Jerusalem. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives. Stop right there. I, I think there's some significance. Mount of Olives is just outside of Jerusalem, on the west side of Jerusalem. It's between Bethany and, and Jerusalem. And so Jesus went there a whole lot because the Garden of Gethsemane is in that area. This is a place where Jesus retreated to a lot. And this mount is high, and it overlooks Jerusalem. Okay? So I'm trying to set the stage. And so Jesus goes to Bethphage. He's at the Mount of Olives. Also, the Mount of Olives, that's where Jesus ascended into heaven. The Mount of Olives, that's where... Um, um, uh, David fled from Absalom when Absalom was trying to kill him. Actually, uh, David left Jerusalem, the king, and he, and he flees to the Mount of Olives. There's a lot of things that took place at the Mount of Olives. Matter of fact, we're going to read a scripture here in a little bit about how Jesus wept over Jerusalem, and this is where he's at. And he's looking over the city, and he's weeping. So the Mount of Olives is significant in our heritage. And one of these days I'm going to see it. I can't wait to go there. Um, so Jesus uh, sent two of his disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there and her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell them that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. And so here we have... Christ going to get this and Jesus said that this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet say to the daughter of Zion see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey on a colt the fowl of a donkey and that's out of Zechariah 9 9 so here we are Jesus is approaching the city of Jerusalem he has these guys get this donkey they put him on the donkey, and he prophesies and declares that that scripture out of Zechariah that was prophesied hundred years, hundreds of years ago was now being fulfilled through Christ. And the, it, when he says it, he says, say to the daughter of Zion, he's basically saying, say to the daughter of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, he's saying, Jerusalem, your king is coming. Your king is coming on a donkey. He is gentle, <laughs> and he's riding on a donkey, the colt. And so then the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt. They placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut palm branches from the trees and spread them on the road, i.e. Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday. So, if you can imagine the people going nuts and they're laying palm branches down on the road. They're taking their cloaks off. They're laying them down. The women and children are waving the palm branches and Jesus comes riding in on a donkey and they have made a path for him to Jerusalem. And they're coming through and what it says here is what? They crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed behind him shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna, son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna, Hosanna, son of David. Son of David, son of David. Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, look at this. The whole city was stirred and asked, who in the world is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth. <laughs> In Galilee, they still had no clue who he was. Israel was not an independent nation, like I said. 
And when they said, no, no, there's two points that I want to make about this. The cult. The cult we're going to talk about, and we're going to talk about Hosanna. The word Hosanna here literally means save us now. Okay? Save us now, son of David. Save us now, son of David. Save us now, son of David. That's what they're screaming. As he comes into Jerusalem, as he goes towards his death, as he goes towards being crucified, he knows what's coming. And here's what they believe. Because Israel was not a sovereign nation at this time, because they were under Roman occupation, I shared a little bit ago, they were under oppression. They were under the, 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 the chaos of war. They were not allowed to rule themselves. And what they wanted is they saw Jesus doing these miracles. He had gone viral, and they were saying, yep, he's our king. He is the man. Save us now. They wanted saved from Roman occupation, and Jesus was going to save them from hell and sin. What they wanted was to be free in this natural world, and God was going to make them free in the spiritual world. He was going to do something eternal. They were looking for temporary relief. Sounds common in our nature, huh? Or our, our nation. So, the donkey represented peace, and he was king, but he was not going to be king in the way they wanted him to be king. Save us now, Hosanna. They wanted saved from the Roman occupation. Jesus wanted to save, they wanted to save now. Again, he wanted to save them from hell and sin and death. Jesus came on a donkey. So what does that represent, the donkey? The, again, it, it represents peace. You know, we, if we were a king, if, if we would do it our way, what would you have wrote in on? Harley Davidson? <laughs> a big white stallion. Dang, I'm here. I'm your king. Let's get to businesses and let's do it. He came in on a donkey. He came in humility. He came to serve and to lay his life down. Amen. In biblical times, it was very common for kings or important people to arrive by a procession riding on a donkey. The donkey symbolized peace. To those who chose to ride them, it showed that they came with peaceful intentions. And so Jesus even reminded us by riding on a donkey that he was the prince of peace. Prince of peace. Zechariah 9.9, we're going to read that. He prophesied it, but we're going to read it again. Again, Jesus declared this. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, or daughter of Z Jerusalem. Shout aloud. O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation. He is he, is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. Wow. Jesus came in on a donkey. Now, one thing I do want to say, and I'd kind of divert a little bit from my message about Palm Sunday. He may have came on a donkey the first time, but he is not coming on a donkey the second time. In Revelations, it says what he's going to come in on, and this is what it says in Revelations on the second coming of Christ. I'm telling you, there's going to be a day when that eastern sky splits wide open and the dead in Christ are going to rise and there is going to come a trumpet sound and a blast. And I'm telling you what, the, the, the Lord is going to come and this is how he's going to come. Out of Revelations 19, I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. He, he, he has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the word of God. 
The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen and white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, that's a good tattoo right there, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's the God you serve. That's the resurrected Lord. And yes, he came in on a donkey in humility, but he will come with a vengeance and he will come with victory. Praise the Lord for that. I had to go there. I just got, I love that scripture. So going back to Palm Sunday, as I looked, as, as a, a, a lot happened on Palm Sunday, and the Bible says that Jesus wept for Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. As he was moving from Bethphage and he was on the Mount of Olives, he did pray. And if you'll, you'll see that in Luke 19. Matter of fact, we'll go there. In Luke 19, on this day, this is we're recounting the day of Christ on Palm Sunday, what happened. He knew in his heart that it wouldn't be long that these people would turn their backs on him and, and, would, and the crowd would go from shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, and the crowd would quickly turn to crucify him, crucify him. And he's looking over Jerusalem. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. And he said, if you even, and if you, even you had only known on this day, Palm Sunday, what would bring you peace. But now it is hidden from your eyes. And he's crying and he's sobbing. The king of glory is looking over Jerusalem knowing that they don't understand the peace that they could have if they would receive the Lord and see him for who he really was. As he approached Jerusalem and he saw the city, he wept over it. I want to read a little further. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. And he said, if you even you had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. And they da will dash you to the ground you and your children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. And then he entered the temple area and he began driving out those who were selling in the temple. So Jesus comes in on Palm Sunday and is praised, 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 and he immediately goes to the temple and he starts turning the money changers over because they had made the sacrifice. They had started to make profit on the doves that were being sold for sacrifices, the lambs that were being sold for sacrifices. Matter of fact, people were instead of bringing their precious lamb to be sacrificed, what they were actually doing was they'd leave their, their lamb at home and they would actually buy one in the temple courts. And what was the law required? The law required your own personal spotless lamb that you were to bring. And so now they're even, they're even corrupting the sacrifice. And Jesus comes in the temple and he sees them changing money because Jerusalem would have been very busy. All the people from the surrounding communities would have been coming there for the week festival. So this place would have been packed. And so can you imagine this humble man of God now turning the tables over, throwing the money, and you've made my house, you've made God's house a den of robbers. <laughs> Palm Sunday. This is what we're celebrating. He entered the temple, and he began driving out those who were selling. It is written, he said to them, my house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Every day he was teaching at the temple, but the chief priests, the religious guys, 
the teachers of the law, the religious guys, and the leaders among the people were trying to kill him. Yet they could not find any way to do it because all the people hung on Jesus' words. So the people were just, they were listening to every word Jesus said. They were just, oh, tell us more, tell us more, tell us more. On Palm Sunday, he taught in the synagogue. And then, shift. All of a sudden, the religious leaders, the, the, the Pharisees, they all begin to plot to kill the King of Glory. And those people who rushed in with Hosanna, Hosanna on Palm Sunday, by Thursday of this week, Monday, Thursday, by Thursday of this week, they were saying, crucify the Lord. We don't know who he is. Crucify him. Crucify him. Holy week. Holy week. Holy week. Our Lord did it. And we're going to talk about that next Sunday, the significance of the resurrection, Easter. But our Lord came in and was rejected spit on, beaten on Thursday evening as they went to get him. Thursday, Monday, Thursday, briefly, it's 12 o'clock. Monday, Thursday, on Thursday, you know, is the start of the Passover meal. And so what they did to commemorate Passover that week, they would get a shank bone of a lamb, they would get bitter herbs, and they would have a meal together to remember Passover. Because the, the Israelites, wanted, they, God wanted them to remember the bitterness of slavery. And so they would eat these bitter herbs at, at the mealtime, and it would be, oh, it tastes terrible, it tastes terrible. But what was it? Again, it was a memorial stone. God was trying to get them to remember how he delivered them out of Israel, or out of Egypt, excuse me. And so Jesus was honoring the Sabbath. He was coming to meet on Thursday evening. He sat down with his disciples in my home when I was growing up. We had a picture on the wall, Last Supper. Anybody have one of those in their house? And the table didn't look that, like that, I promise you, but it was a ta long table like this, and Jesus in the middle, and all the disciples are around him, and they're having their last supper. This is the type of supper they had. They didn't have a little wafer and grape juice. That wasn't, that wasn't the Passover meal. The Passover meal was a, hank, a shank bone and some vegetables and, again, bitter herbs to remind them of slavery. And so Jesus, on Thursday night, he is... He is sitting down with his disciples and he's having their last meal and they eat their dinner and he says to them, one of you will betray me. Oh no, we will not betray you. We will go to the end. Peter, this night, this very night, you will betray me three times. Judas Iscariot, the one that betrayed him said, oh no, not I. And Jesus said, you are the one. And Judas gets up from the meal and he takes off and he goes to the chief priest to get his 30 pieces of silver in order to get paid to turn Jesus in. And on Thursday night, Monday night, Monday, Thursday, what we celebrate, Monday, Thursday, is the night that Jesus goes to the Mount of Olives in the Garden of Gethsemane, about a mile outside of Jerusalem, and he begins to pray. And we know it's late because his disciples can't even stay awake from prayer. So we're talking probably 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock in the morning. I don't know about you, 10 o'clock, I can't keep my eyes open. And he asks them to pray. And Thursday night, he brings Peter, James, and John a little further with him, and he falls on the ground on Thursday evening. And he prays, Father, if this cup can pass from me, please let it pass, but not my will. Your will be done. He wasn't wanting to forsake his call. He was just in deep agony because your sin was now being laid upon him. Your sin. He was going to the cross and he was getting ready to take all of your sin on. To die not for you, but to die as you. Holy week. Sobering. And so Thursday night. He's in prayer. He gets up from prayer. My time has come. And here come the soldiers. 
and they whisk Jesus away. Peter cuts off Malchus's ear. And Jesus says, oh no, you, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Jesus puts his ear back on, heals the guy's ear and says, I'm here. I'm not going, I'm not, why'd you come with clubs? I'll go freely. He gave his life freely. He did, but they didn't take his life. They didn't take his life. He gave his life. He said, here I am, take me. And we'll talk about a little bit that this coming week. The very celebration that is so important for our lives. Don't overlook it this week. Please, I beg you, please don't overlook it. In this holy week, may God direct our thoughts and attention towards what matters most, and that is Jesus Christ, our Lord and King. I want to challenge you this week to make memorial stones for you and your family so that you as a family don't get religious, but you don't forget the significance of Holy Week. That you do things that you create within the culture of your family, things that make Easter special, besides Easter bunny and Easter eggs. If you want to celebrate it that way, that is your prerogative. But, and I understand making it fun for kids, but dear God, we have to make this reverential, and we have to remember what Christ has done. Amen? So let's choose to focus on worshiping our Lord with our children because God has emphasized family this week or this year, and we need to really make some memorial stones with our family in the midst of our busy lives and all that stuff. Don't unintentionally miss out on the significance of Easter because his word reveals so many great truths. And I would really encourage you, some of the things that, that we did in our home, and I wished I would have done more, to be honest with you, but literally the four Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, each of them give just a little bit different picture of what took place. You know, the, the Palm Sunday is called the Triumphal Entry. It's the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and, and uh, they couldn't put leaven in their bread uh, during that celebration. But you could read up on all that stuff, and, and you can literally... Um, teach your children the significance of Easter. As I wind down here, I, 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 I got, there's several things that I, I want to encourage you to do. I love that our, our middle school ministry is doing Good Friday at 7 p.m. Parents, if you have a middle schooler, have them here. Let the ministry team here encourage them about Easter and Good Friday. Amen. I, I praise God for that. Good Friday, First Baptist Church is doing a Good Friday service at 6.30 p.m. I encourage you, get there. They're going to celebrate it totally different than we do, and that is great. That is great, right? But take time out of your schedule. This is Holy Week. Holy Week means we re revere the week and we give the week to the Lord. I love what Bob and Jenny's doing with their connect group. Their connect group, because it falls on Sunday, and Sunday is Easter, what they're doing as a connect group is they're getting together Thursday night and they're going to have a foot washing. Because one of the things that Jesus did when he, at that last meal, after the meal was done, he, had, he washed all the disciples' feet. We even talked about possibly so, at some point in time doing a Seder meal where we literally fix the, the, uh, the Seder meal, what that meal would have been, and have everybody taste an element of the meal. So you, so you could literally do that as a family. You could reenact Monday, Thursday, and you could literally do a Seder meal. And all you got to do is S-A-D-E-R. All you got to do is Google S-A-D-E-R meal, and it tells you exactly what a Seder meal is. But you can get your kids involved with that, and then you can teach your kids what it means and the importance of it. Does that make sense? I would encourage, this is one thing I did. My daughter didn't like doing it, but we did it. And sometimes we let her excuse herself from a certain part. But we watched The Passion. Every Easter, we watched The Passion. And then we would talk about The Passion movie. And dear God, it, it'll make you cry every time. Anybody remember that movie? I bought that. I bought it for a reason. Because it helps us to commemorate what Christ has done. Read the gospel accounts with your family. Set up a memorial stone. Amen. And make the week holy. And really what the week, the holy week, what that means. The word holy means to set apart. So really what we're doing is we're setting apart our week. 
to remember what Christ has done for us. And so today, Palm Sunday, was the entrance of Jesus into Jerusalem. And, and just go through the Gospels and look at what he does. Stand up with me. I know that's kind of quick. And did, you, did you learn something that you didn't know? Jada, what's Palm Sunday? What's Palm Sunday? Today, that's right. <laughs> Thank you for participating in the, in, the, in, the, in the service. I appreciate it. And can we all, how many realized, honestly, how many did not realize today was Palm Sunday? Quite a few. And mainly the younger generation because we've not done a good job of teaching the young generation. And we're called to who? The next generation. So please forgive us for not being a, uh, letting you know what these important parts of our faith are all about. So, amen. You guys cool? All right. Well, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you today as we celebrate Palm Sunday, your great triumphal entry into Jerusalem as you started your quest towards death the death on a cross for us. Father, we celebrate it today. We thank you for Palm Sunday. We thank you, God, that you were faithful to send your son on our behalf so that we might have life. So, Father, we thank you for that. We ask, God, that this week would be set aside as holy to us as a church family. Lord, we would take this time to really reflect this week upon what you did for us. So that next Sunday when we come in, God, we can celebrate your resurrection and that, God, you are the victory one. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen. amen. God bless you. Have a great, great week. We love you and have a wonderful week.